Welcome to episode 805 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 805. I am talking with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? Looking very bright this morning. Very bright. Got an Epic Camp uh, gear on. Got spaces open for my Epic Camp light or Epic Camp mini in New Zealand in April. Need to get a few more people on the bus. So, How many more do you need? Uh, probably another three or four. Okay. So team, get on the bus. It's going to be awesome. Really, really cool route around the Alps of the South Island. Great way to finish off summits in April. All the racing's done and dusted, but uh, come adventure touring in the South Island. Good little challenge at the end. How many days? Uh, five days of riding. Oh, and running. It's the one you did last year, isn't it? Yeah. Trail running. We've got open water swimming. Brand new pool I've got in Kaikoura, apparently. Wow. So there you go. That's all happening in Kaikoura. Uh, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Morton. Now, apparently, this is, the, this is the crap, John. This is the shit. You're going to hear a bit more about this later in the show when we interview today's guest, but they're the on-course suppliers at most Ironman events. Uh, the revolutionary new way to absorb more carbohydrates without GI issues, and it's used by some of the biggest rock stars in our sport, Flora Duffy, Jan Fredino, Christian... Uh, Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden, and along with Kipchoge, the fastest marathon runner in the world. So check them out at morton.com. Okay, we've also got a name of a few of our patrons. David Sweet Justice Sobel. We've got Scott the Slick Chic Sheridan. And Jonathan the Lumberjack Woodman. Okay, on this week's show we've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got a great interview. Yeah, Gustav Eden, the two-time world 70.3 champion and number one ranked PTO athlete in that world. Best in the world right now, based on rankings. Uh, question, wingers and, uh, winger of the week, questions and answers at the end. John Bowden, not a huge amount of news, but PTO have, annu- have announced that the Canadian Open will be the, in Edmonton in 23-24. July the 2nd, they're going to be 2K. No, 23rd, 24th of July. Oh, okay, sorry. I could have put a space You yeah, probably could have helped me there. Yeah, yep. that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll even okay. do a return. Oh, there we go. You return now, for you. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be happening in July. It's going to be in Edmonton. This is the... Canadian Open, which I find bizarre they're having this, because you've got the American, mm-hmm. you've got European, yeah. Australasia, and Canadian. And there'll be Europe. Yeah, yeah. Did you see? Yeah. yeah. Um, is there an Africa? No, not at this stage. Just, I don't think it, you want more than four, do you? It's just interesting that Canada gets one. Well, I think first up, there'll be four, and whoever, well, yeah, it's going to build to four, and they maybe they'll move around. But do you Canada, think, or do you think it becomes Canada like, is a, yep. Yeah, Edmonton is a bit of a hotbed for these type of events. Like okay. they have an ITU race there as well. So I'm sure hosting fees are, are good for, to go to Edmonton. Uh, so that, I'm sure that's one of the reasons. They've, they've signed up a deal with uh, a local organiser. So then you've got Not trust and faith in the local yeah. organiser that can do a good job. Um, and maybe other things sort of fall into the line in terms of production crews that are accessible and available. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be the, the PTO distance, I think we have to start calling Yeah, so it. What, what's all this about? So this is 2K, 80K, 18K, so it's a 100K race. 100K race, keeps it simple, keeps it metric. But why? Main reason is they want it, and we've heard this before, they want to get it to a length of race that is just palatable enough for people to be watching it. If, I think they feel if they go any longer than that, it's going to be too long. And so by doing that distance... They can squeeze it in to still be a sort of production. But realistically, we're going to be fair. You're adding 10K to the right. How far is that? 10 minutes? No, sorry, 15, 20? 
fell off. Yeah. Not yeah. That. Yep. yeah. Uh, and then a 3K run, another mm. 12 minutes. So you're mm. only adding 20 minutes to the race. Mm. But then you can't call it a half iron, man. You can't call it a 70.3. So I, yeah. I like it. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's not a traditional distance in the sport, but maybe, as you say, maybe we start calling it the PTO distance. Million dollar prize. Million dollar prize purse. Show me the money. So what do you think? Does this hurt like a Germany? Um, well, I think you're mainly going to get, oh, no, I suppose they'll all turn up. Um, well, Germany's Germany, when the start of July. No, I don't think so. I think they've positioned it pretty well because Germany and Rote, start of July. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's going to be, they're going to get all but, the but when you've, you've got a million bucks on If you're going line, for a million bucks, you're peaking for that race, aren't you? You're not peaking for Germany. Yep. Yep. So I think Ironman races may be around the world, except for Kona. Uh, you know, they're going to be, Come maybe more qualifying events potentially. Although this this is going to be taken out by the short course guys and the seventy point three specialists um, over the iron distance guys. You know, you think of someone like a Joe Skipper, amazing athlete, killing it at Ironman, um, top five definitely potential in Kona. Yep. He goes to this race, chance of him doing really well, pretty low over seventy point three. I think he just gets shut out on the. It's not seventy point three. It's PTO. PTO distance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think the long course guys will keep specialising in the. And if anything, that shorter distance helps the short course guys even more. Mm, the in between athletes, they'll be sticking with this sort of who who do well at both. So, but the, are all the races going to be this distance? I believe so. That's a pity. Well, thing, they did it? say they might, but initially, yes. Let's see this how this unfolds. Amazing other bits of news today when I was looking around because initially there was, there was zero news. Yep. The world, I was just interested, the World Triathlon uh, Winter Championships are coming up in Andorra. So I've never heard of this. What's this? So I, I didn't really know what the distances and stuff were. So for the elites, they do a uh, 4K run and then they do a mountain bike and then, or they do it sort of twice through. It's all a bit confusing. They've got a, a mountain bike option, a cross-country skiing, and running, and they basically it looks like they're doing a double triathlon almost. Um, but I looked up the results as well. The Russians are dominating the dojo at this event. If the 2019 results are anything to go by, every flipping category I looked at was like Russians just killing it. They won the elite men's, got second and fourth in 2019. Uh, when I looked through the age groups, there was actually more people doing this than I thought. I thought you'd go to like 40, 40, 40 to 44 men, and there might be 10 people there if you're lucky. But no, there was 20 or 30 in each sort of age group, so it was. Um, Better supported than I thought, and coming from New Zealand, we've got no appreciation of the winter sort of sports. Um, and the females, they had Russians one, two, and four as well. So if you want to go and do a winter so triathlon, so it's this, what did you say? It's a so you, you, well, there's there's different options. You can do uh, run, bike, run, and then you can or you can do a cross country ski where you do six k. Uh, that's very confusing. The website's really rubbish. Sharpen up. Yeah, sharpen I should probably Andorra. sharpen up with my, my Your prep. research as well, my prep. Anyway, go to Andorra, it's a cool place. Okay, in New Zealand we do have the Mount Festival happening this weekend. To find team two-time defending champ Kyle Smith will be back. Uh, won't no, be won't back. be back. Sorry, he's stuck in Europe and he's locked out of New Zealand. Hopefully we'll see Theresa Adams back on the course. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's good times. Uh, the Iconic New Zealand race. It is. And I, I went on the. I know uh, Braden Curry's going to be racing. I don't have no idea. I couldn't find a start list anywhere. Who else is going to be rocking up? Uh, but however, I was looking at the past winners and I was just sort of scanning through and I saw Kat Morrison who came out to New Zealand one year. A lot of you guys won't remember her. She but was she, a cool chick. We interviewed her a few times, didn't we? We yeah. interviewed her in Kona, didn't we? We did. Yeah. And so she was around sort of in that 
around 2014 sort of in the area. She won she, the world. Did she get lo- a top ten in Kona? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but she won the world long distance duathlon champs a couple of times uh, and won plenty of races. And I just thought, I wonder what Kat Morrison's up to these days. She so is did, killing life. Did a, bit of, did a bit of research and she's still up in Scotland. She had a really strong Scottish accent. She looked like she was flipping back bike touring and riding a bike everywhere up in the snow, doing all sorts of things. So she's certainly still very active, if not uh, competing at an elite level. But she's now the business development development manager for a small social enterprise in north of Edinburgh. Um, they run a soccer facility and they get grant funding and charitable donations to help with sort of underprivileged kids. Uh, and you can check that out. It's uh, Spart and scfa.com and the other areas that I looked at uh, she's also helping with a sort of um, the director of a sportswear brand for girls for girls founded on the premise that sports clothing should be as affordable as possible Uh, so check out everactive.com there's no e on that active Uh, so if you've got any young girls who are into sport check that out and she's also on the board of Direct uh, board of the University of Stirling, Scotland's un- leading university for sport. So, and she's been appointed the team manager for Scotland's triathlon team at the next Commonwealth Games. So, if you've been around for a while and you're wondering what Kat Morrison was up to, that's what she's doing. Well, we're looking at her results based on what the PTO has. It doesn't have a lot of them, but she won the Auckland 70.3. Oh, was that in 2014? Yeah. That was the year I did it, I think. It was only done once or twice, wasn't it? And it was yeah. just too expensive. Yeah, it was a great course. Was it? Yeah, he went over the biked over the harbour. That's when you got angry at someone, wasn't it? Um, or was it the ITU World Champs? Or, or was, uh, maybe you got really angry at someone on the street? Oh no, that was a different <laughs> one. That was when I nearly had a fist fight. <laughs> well, I didn't really because I would have run away pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there was an ITU race, which was uh, it was ITU back then, so I can say that uh, that was an epic course as well, right downtown Auckland. Yeah, some and the seventy point three was good as well. Seventy point three, you biked over the harbour bridge. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, a bit of drafting one year that I did it. Um, yeah. How many of them did it a couple of years, didn't they? They did. Um, so she didn't get top 10. She got 11th in Hawaii. Oh, first loser. <laughs> it is. Yeah, 11th. It was great performance. You know, you've done athletically, you've done really, really well. 11th is amazing. You don't get any prize money. Oh, sorry. No. Oh, 70.3. She did well in the 70.3. So she got a fifth in the 70.3 World Champs, the seventh. She got a fourth. She got third in Challenge Road. Right. One Lanzogrotti, uh, one Ironman Texas, and you won the 70.3 in Auckland. And then after that, no results. So 2014 was her last year. Mm. And she said, in terms of uh, retirement, there was an article that I found on her. Um, she said she was on the trainer one day and just went, eh, I've had enough. Don't want to do this anymore. What's the point? Before I scump. <laughs> I think we're going home. Walked out of the garage, came in to see her husband and said, uh, right, I'm done. Move on. <laughs> wow. She, yeah. What brought her up? Why did that pop into your head? Because she won the Mount, Mount uh, the, the Tauranga Half Ironman. Tauranga Half Ironman. Oh, oh, there you go. Well, sounds like she's killing life, John. She's killing life. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty much the news for this week. So this, now, this week's discussion was, what are your top three for Kona in 2022? We're going in early, and we'll come back and look at this at the time. Uh, so what were your top three? John, you say go first because I'm pulling it up. Okay, I will start from the bottom. Rich Walker says, what about the February 2021 event? There's no February 2021 event. There's going to be one in St. George in May, but we're focusing on Kona. 
Tommy uh, Tommy Moorwood. Yeah. Uh, he's going Brownlee, Bloomingfield, Gomez. That's uh, Brownlee. Do you think he's going to be there? Uh, yeah, Brownlee will probably yeah he'll be he'll be there. I think he's already qualified. Uh, ha- and then Haug, Nib, and Philip. Don't even know if uh, Nib's going to be racing long course. So Tommy Moorwood's gone for some some random selections there. I keep going because I'm having uh, issues. Clive Aspen, no surprises here. Blumenfeld, Frodo, and Eden. I think a lot of people will have that. Um, the t- Travis George has got the same. Frodo Blumenfeld Eden. Uh, he's all, he's got Lucy Charles, Danielle Reef, and Haug. Um, Peter Colson, he's gone out there. He's gone skipper for the win. Go Blum- skipper. Blumenfeld and Tim Reid. Kevin had having a laugh there, Peter. Tim Reid, love him. He's an awesome guy. Tim Reid. It's yeah, a name from the past. Uh, he's still racing. But he hasn't got a top 10 in Kona before. He's had one reasonable result over there. He's won Ironman races, but never shown that he could do amazingly well in Kona. He's got a 70.3 world title. Nothing wrong with that. I'm here now. Uh, Hewitt Chin's got um, Bloomingfield, Eden, Fredino. <laughs> Eden may be faster, but Bloomingfield seems to have a more edge when it comes to racing and pain. If Frodo doesn't get it away on the bike, he cannot run out, outrun either of them. Daniela, Lucy, and Laura Phillip. Everyone is writing Daniela off, but she has had fungus in her lungs and health issues in 2021. I think she is going to be dangerous when she comes back to 100%. George Samuel, like most others, says Bloomingfield, Eden, Frodo, and then he's got Reef, Charles, and Haug. So... I think I'm not going to say any more that I've got those ones because I think those are the six standout athletes. Well, Jared Crump's got uh, Fredino um, Backengard, Eden. Yeah. And then uh, Lucy Haug Rennie. Oh, here we go. One last good one in Kona. Can't see that happening. I saw they announced some Rennie and her husband, Tio, announced some new racing team they're part of or something like that. So it looks pretty, pretty small to start with. Okay. There you go. That's people's predictions. My picks are, I'm going on the female side, um, Barkley, Haug, and Reef. So those are your three big hitters. So no big surprises there. And then I've gone Frodo. Wait, so Barkley take it out? Barkley take it out. Haug and run away up into second. And Reef will be, she'll try to catch up to Barkley on the bike and you might catch her. And then she'll just fade a bit on the run. I think Lucy Barkley can outrun Daniela Reef these days. We'll wait and see. And Anne Haug will be run through. ten minutes down, coming off the bike, and she'll run herself up into second with a, with oh, like a, two, a low two fifty. Here we go. Here's here we go. Duffy. Huh. yeah, you like that? Yeah, yeah. I go Duffy Reef and Barkley. But that's just controversial, John. That's not controversial. If Duffy decides to race, I would back that up. Would you, if she, okay, she 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 gets there. Would you pick her to win it? Because uh, she's first experience. Yeah. If you never know how, when people are going to race, if if she's hundred percent healthy, appears for, correctly for it, rocks up. Yes, I would. But I know her; she's a bit fragile sometimes, yep. and so if she's not hundred percent, then obviously no. Um, yeah, I would go along with that though. And then I, the, I find your third one interesting. The boys. Yeah. Yes. So I've gone for Frida, Fredino, Eden, and Worth. Now I think Fredino, Eden, and Blumenfeld, like every, almost everybody yeah. else, they're your clear three favourites. Almost never do the clear favourites, or all of them, do really, really well. And I had a look, scan through the results. Every year, not every year, a lot of the years, there's always one steady Eddie sort of person that's that sneaks up and sneaks in, onto the top three. You know, often you have someone like Tim O'Donnell. Great athlete, great guy, but 
on paper, if you put him up against someone like a Eden or a Frodo or something yeah. like that, and he, had, no he got chance. second, didn't he? And he got second. Yeah. Um, and you put him up against other guys that would have finished well behind him, you'd go, no chance. Um, so I've gone Cam Worth for third place, just because he had. What about Sanders? Sanders, no, I haven't got Sanders in there, no. Um, so I've gone Cam Worth for third place just because he showed in Copenhagen, his runs come along a bit, and he whooped Sanders in that race. Uh, so if he can produce a race like that, he's got that Kona experience now. He's done his sort of uh, done his time and sort of moved up the rankings. So if the race went his way and a couple got away on the bike, not that he needs others with him, and he had an Which optimal optimal bike ride and everything panned out well, really windy day. Got a massive lead coming off the bike. Still think the others will run him down, but um, I reckon he'd hang off third. Yeah, I think this is. I, I still would, if I'm a betting man, I'm putting money on Fredino still. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get it this year. Like the age factor, though he still killed PTO, so it, it's hard to know. Um, I think we're also obviously going to have a clear idea after after the first World Championships that happens in the first part of the year. Um, but then they're going to be tired. Do you, do you think it's going to be the same top three at the, in May? That's a really interesting be, question, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it will be. So, well, do, so, do, well, because the other thing is, does Fredino take a, take out both? Because you know, like again, like look at I'm in Germany. Mm. No one's turning up to that. No, because you're going to do May, mm. and that's, you're going to be peak. Then you're going to have to recover and try to peak again for October. Well, you're going to have to qualify somewhere, aren't you? Yeah, but if you win the World Championship in May, surely they give you Kona for free. You would think so, but that's probably only the winner. Oh, well, you well, probably have to validate somewhere, but then you don't have to go But out. surely doing valid six months before the Kona gives you validation. Mm, good question. Don't know the answer. One, one of the other interesting things is traditionally what tends to happen is the person who wins it has got top three the year before. Yep, tradition. You know, that, you know, we, we, you look back always, it's always that's kind of what happens. You, you almost need to get a podium to win it. Hmm. Um, and so while... Fredino, you know, that's to me the advantage he has. Like, athlete-wise, you're probably going to say Bloomingfield and Eden, although he's still got the fastest PTO time, mm. uh, you know, age and speed's on their side, but he knows the game. So 2017, just sort of pulled up one. That was when Patrick Langer won, and then you'd say third place was David McNamee. So he's your sort of guy, normally you'd say... Yeah, but he got a couple of podiums. He got a couple of podiums, just came through with a really good run. Lionel Sanders did get second that year. That was uh, an awesome performance, around 251, very solid. Uh, on the girls' side that year, Danielle Reef, Lucy Charles, and Sarah Crowley. So Sarah Crowley's, yeah, she's she's always pretty good. But there's always I always find, especially on the boys' side, you've got that little surprise person in there. If I look at uh, 20, 2002, you had Boom, Peter Reid, and Cameron Brown. Um, yeah, they're pretty, pretty strong, but generally... I find you throw a little cheeky, cheeky, white, cheeky bit on the side for for one of the podium spots. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 2000. What year did I do? I think 2004. You did 05, didn't you? I did 05. Yep. Okay, you had. Well, yeah, this is a funny one because you had Norman Stadler and Peter Reed. Yeah. And they were two rock stars. Mm-hmm. And then Faris Al Sultan. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I think his third probably was a bit out of. You wouldn't have picked it, would have you? But then he won the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Yeah, who does know? That's why it's all interesting. It's all very interesting. Okay, Jombo. So this week's discussion is: What are your favourite triathlon YouTube channels? Pretty straightforward. Just sharing some love. I know it's winter time for a lot of you guys, so I thought we'll help you guys out. Try to find some good YouTube content. So share away. Share away. Okay, Jombo. We're going to interview who's on. 
we have proudly brought to you by Morton Nutrition. So go and check them out. You're going to hear about Gustav Eden's intake of Morton when he's racing. Uh, you've heard about from age groupers. You've heard from elite athletes. It rocks. So does Gustav Eden. Here you go. Here, we go. Here he is right now. Okay, team, uh, today's guests, along with a bunch of other top athletes around the world, like Christian Blumenfeld, uh, Jan Fredino, Flora Duffy, Kipchoge, they're all fueled by Morton. Uh, you've heard about that on the podcast already, um, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Um, but today's guest is Gustav Eden. He's currently number world rank, ranked athlete on the PTO rankings, two-time 70.3 world champ, got eighth at the Olympics, and uh, is had a fantastic Ironman debut. So... Welcome along to the show, Gustav. Thank you so much. Yeah, it sounds so, like I had a pretty good year with uh, number one ranking and world champ and everything. So yeah, thank you for bringing it up again. <laughs> nice. What's, what's training look like today? It's Monday, seven o'clock in the evening. What have you done for training today? Today, we were lucky enough to have a half rest day. So then it's usually two sessions, but shorter ones. So in total, like two hours of training. So I had a short run and a short ride. Ah, so it was actually super beautiful here. Um, I'm in altitude in Sierra Nevada at 2,300 meters above sea level. So yeah, it's such a nice place. It's amazing. But a, a little bit better than your, uh, I saw you did some epic bike ride out in the snow um, last week or the week before. Yeah, that was also pretty epic, but it's uh, kind of like different being in Spain and have a nice sunshine and being back home in Norway. So here I'm I am with the team at the moment, so um, yeah, such a great place to be. Um, when I was looking into your background, I, I wanted to find out when you did your first racing, um, and I looked up your ITU profile, or your World Triathlon profile now as it is, uh, and I saw you, your first race on there was in 2012, which I'm, I'm guessing you're about 16 years old. Um, in the early days, it looked like it, it took a little while for you to sort of climb up the rankings i saw you got 45th at the 2012 european championships so um yeah how, how did sort of triathlon all come about and, and what were those early years like yeah actually funny you mentioned the european championship because that race i kind of had planned to qualify for the world championship in um in london the same year and as european you have to be 38 or above <laughs> or better to to be at the at the world championship so i actually didn't qualify but my parents had already bought the tickets and everything so i i went over to london and competed as an age grouper and i won the age group world championship there but the yeah it was it was a slow start for my world triathlon career because my swim was so bad even worse than now so it was kind of hard i knew always that i had better results in me so even though the results wasn't always that good i kind of felt like next race it's always going to be the next race so i was kind of eager to prove myself but at the same time patient because i knew that training like i did would make me good one day it's funny you mentioned the London race, so racing in the 16 to 19 year old age group in the grand final in 2013. Uh, I noticed that you just beat Kyle Smith, who you ended up lining up against in the, in the Collins <laughs> Cup, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even, I didn't know it was him before I kind of went to the Collins Cup and I was like, damn, we have raced before. That was, <laughs> uh, that was epic. Yeah, nice. Um, 
and obviously back then you were, I don't know, still pretty young, but it, it, you know, prior to getting the, like the 70.3 world championship title, you know, how, was it tough making a living in triathlon out of, out of Norway? I mean, how, how are you sort of getting by? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't make a living. I was, uh, yeah, 23 years old when I won the, um, the world championship and, uh, it's not, for for me and my mates, it's not normal to kind of make a career at that age. So what kind of just, I still am, but I was back then living with my parents and uh, the funding for the federation was pretty good. So I don't, didn't have like huge expenses. I was just uh, living really cheap and training and didn't care about the finance yeah. and didn't really have any sponsors. And I was living like a pro without the pro money even though I know that triathlon is kind of not the where you want to be for the pro money anyway. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living like I did now, but now I obviously have such a good sponsors and support, but my day-to-day life is exactly the same and I'm just doing what I love. So no big difference really. Well, and what were you doing before triathlon? We had, we had a question from a, a listener, John Weir. He said, why not cross-country skiing or speed skating or one of the more Nordic sort of sports? So what, what were you doing before triathlon? So I used to do cycling before and a bit of running, but cycling was my passion before triathlon. And yeah, I'm from the west coast of Norway and we usually don't get too much snow. So skiing was... Yeah, we, we kind of have to travel a bit to do the skiing. So I have done some cross-country uh, skiing races before, but not at like a high level. Or not high level for Norway, but yeah. I guess international really high level. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but cycling was what I did before. And I actually won uh, like a six-day stage race event for uh, 16-year-olds in uh, Sweden when oh. I was 16 and that was so cool with the technical aspect and I got to race in yellow for five days. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, an experience for a lifetime. So how, how close were you to going down the, the cycling path instead of triathlon? Uh, I told myself that if I didn't make like the swimming, like mid pack swim in the world triathlon event, then I, then I would go cycling. But for me, triathlon was, it was more exciting and you could do more. So I had more passion for cycling than triathlon, no, triathlon and cycling, but still I had it open for, as an option for a really long time. And yeah, it's not like 100% done on a, never doing a cycling event again, but yeah, triathlon is life now. And, and what's the, the, the secret um, to the Norwegian success? You know, you've got yourself, you've got Christian, you've got, you know, um, you've got a bunch of other athletes. And for, for a small nation, um, you seem to be doing extremely well. Uh, so what's, what's sort of been the process? Because you've, you've probably been involved in it since day one and, well, very close to it with the triathlon where there's, there's other athletes coming up as well, you know, Casper, Stornis, and, and it's not just you and Christian. So what's, um, what's the process been like to get you guys to the top? Uh, it's kind of hard to say. I, I'm not that close to like what the other athletes are doing, but I would imagine they're doing something similar to us. But I think uh, what we do better is possibly like 
the control we do in training and just like the thought about every single session so we know what this session is what the point of the session is and how we're gonna make the session do what we want it to do so not just uh, do like 10 times 1k on a track because it's 10 times 1k but we understand the reasoning behind why we're doing 10 times 1k and therefore take better uh, decisions during a session in terms of intensity control and speed and technique and if you're feeling tired should you push through or should you back off and all those thoughts behind every single session i think that's what makes us unique yeah you certainly look like you guys put some time into the sports science lab i saw pictures of christian doing some stuff the other day with uh with uh, little sensors all over his body and, and the same with you being on a treadmill and you had something on your quad um there as, long, as well as you know me- measuring your oxygen saturation so how much time do you guys spend um you know doing the, the te- technology side of things and and being in the lab uh we're quite a lot in the lab and i'm kind of like a nerd so i really like the gadgets i know a lot of athletes just want to train and for me it's the same i have a passion for just being outside but to use the numbers to better myself is something i find quite interesting so i really have a benefit of using all those gadgets it's not just something we used to show off on instagram even though it's kind of funny to (laughs) to see all the comments what's that on his quad what is it yeah so um and we have a dedicated person who brings us all a gadget and uh, really knows what to use and what not to use. Because if you have too much stuff, it takes away from the training in terms of time and um, focus. So we want to have only the technology that brings something to the table without taking the focus or energy away from actually quality of training. So we have tried some different stuff over the years, but now we have kind of like just the bare bones that we need to really um, really excel in training and with your bike setup we had a we had a, a bike guru on late last year he said your setup looks amazing um how much time have you spent on that since you know the, the first 70.3 worlds where you didn't have a you know a dedicated bike sponsor or anything like that have you spent a lot of time being you know super aerodynamic or have you just kind of fallen into that position that that happens to be really aerodynamic uh yeah for me it's been more like a slow evolution of uh, the position so i look quite similar to what i did in bahrain in 2018 i think just now i have the giant bike and some different stuff on it but if you just look at the picture i'm quite the same yeah. so uh, just like uh, try to fine tune my already fast position to go even faster yeah. and without uh, losing any power and still having the back to not get stiff in the back so i can run a fast marathon so uh, luckily i'm actually quite flexible in the in the teeter position so uh, i can be quite aggressive and still have no problems with a run afterwards Nice. Now you mentioned technology and, and training. We had a question from Tim Egg. He said, do you use any devices to collect data when you're swimming? You noticed you didn't post any swim sessions on Strava. 
Yeah, for a normal swim session, I don't use that much technology because the technology is still worse than just having a coach on land, having like a, a stopwatch. Mm -hmm. So I had tried some different things with uh, Triton Wear and some power paddles and uh, yeah, different stuff. But for swimming, it's so difficult to get good numbers and devices that can measure better than just like the, the clock on a wall that is there's not really any use for it so uh but we're still we're trying and uh yeah we're using lactate measurement in the pool as well i guess that's some kind of technology yeah. but uh, a coach with a with an iphone and a camera i think it's better yeah uh and when you're out on the bike um when you're racing, uh, we often ask pros this question, are you racing with power? And, and often they're not. Uh, so when you're on the bike and also the run, are you biking to power or, and running to pace or are you just doing both by feel? Uh, I definitely have power up on my screen. I have like 10 data fields on my Garmin. 10? So <laughs> I have, yeah, I have like speed. I, I kind of feel speed is relevant during racing, but not that much during training. Yeah. Because the higher the speed, the more I focus on being purely aerodynamic. But while it's slower, I kind of focus on uh, being more relaxed. So I have speed up there. I have power. I have uh, left, right. Um, uh, yeah, power difference. And I have uh, health smoothness, torque efficiency, time, uh, average power, heart rate, and yeah, the Moxie, if I'm wearing that, and uh, the core temperature data. Yeah. Wow. You must still have good eyesight. You wait till you're in your 40s and 50s and see, and see <laughs> 10, 10 fields on your computer. Yeah. Those garments now are so big. It's like, it's not a problem. But uh, yeah, I, and I definitely use every data that I have. I feel like the more information you have during a race, the more wise decisions you can take. So uh, even though I'm, I'm definitely riding with power, it's not always that I am uh, using or limiting myself to the power. So for example, in uh, Nice, I rode way above what I thought I should have done up the hill in Col de Vance. Yeah. But I was feeling good. And I thought during, like in the moment that it was more important to catch up with the leaders for the downhill them to conserve energy going uphill so even though i have numbers up i can take decisions during the race that is not what i set out to do before the race if i'm feeling for it so nice and what a about lot of decision making are you you're running to pace or are you running to feel yeah for sure pace yeah uh for my watch because uh yeah and actually in florida um sanders he was running way too fast <laughs> i actually told him so because he didn't wear a watch he had his uh he had his whoop but it doesn't give him like anything during the race so uh i told him we we're running way over pace and he just said no limits baby and i was kind of like are you serious are you going to plan your ironman race pace for uh, no limits and I was kind of annoyed that it was running so fast because I knew I didn't have it in me to keep up the pace the whole way. But it was actually quite windy that day. So I tried to use him a bit to, uh, to relax behind him, even though I knew it was going too fast. Yeah. 
So when he finally dropped back, then I could look at my Garmin again and follow my own pace. <laughs> nice. Um, so when you won your first uh, 70.3 in 2016, it looks like it's been, you know, relatively plain sailing on the, the 70.3 front. And, and what, what have been the main challenges for you sort of stepping up from Olympic to half Ironman and an Ironman? Or has it all gone, you know, pretty smoothly for you? Uh, yeah, I think it's been not any major problems. I, I do my training. I am very little sick. I have very little injuries. And I am enjoying my life so to be honest i haven't had any big problems yet but i know that uh, they probably will come if i look at statistics it will come mm. but uh, i try to not worry about it and just uh, live in there now and enjoy what i have now, how do you kind of deal with the pressure? Because it, it, I might imagine it must be building. You know, most races now you go to, especially if it's 70.3, um, you're going to be the race favourite or equal favourite with one of the other guys. So how do you kind of deal with that pressure of um, public attention on you? I don't really care about that. <laughs> when, I, when, it, when it's race morning... I never care about like the publicity and everything. It could be in the days following with press conference and those things, but it's race morning. I am I'm a different person and I I get super nervous pressure. But um it's it's always from within and it's always my own expectations. And even way before anyone knew who Gustav Eden was, I got super nervous before the race because my expectations on how to perform was always so clear in my head. And if I didn't manage them, I would be disappointed. So uh, yeah, I don't care about like the outside pressure because it doesn't come close to what I'm pressuring myself on race day. Yeah. And, and how do you, uh, we had a question from Mick Simpson, when you're in that race moment and when the going gets tough and you have to dig deep, what, what are some of the things and or the mantras that are sort of going through your head? Uh, it's, it's actually quite hard to remember what you were thinking after a race when it's super hard mm. because you kind of like um, at the semi-autopilot but I have a, a saying that uh, winning is a choice. And it's not really something I use during the race. It's more like day-to-day -day life that uh, if I take this choice, will this, this make me closer to winning my next race? Or should I take a different choice? But during a race, I am kind of like, yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's not like a mantra. It's more like uh, you just uh, have to do it or mm. to not disappoint yourself. Um, one of the, the topics we want to discuss today is your sort of race nutrition. I've started using the, the Morton products myself, and I know you've, you guys, the Norwegians, are on them. Um, maybe run, run us through, you know, your 70.3 um, race nutrition. Yeah, so I prefer to have all my liquids or all my nutrition as liquids. 
especially on the bike, because uh, even though gels are nice, I feel like drinking water is a waste. And so I just want to have every drink I take to be high carbohydrate, uh, yeah, high in carbohydrates. So during a, a 7.3, I would try to take in um, from about 100 gram to 120 gram an hour on a bike. Wow. And a little less on a run. Yeah, that's, uh, that's plenty. And how, how did you adapt that to when you were doing um, your Ironman? On Ironman, it was pretty much the same. The problem with my Florida race was the swim was... Yeah, the swim conditions were so bad that the swim was way longer than anticipated. So an hour out there on the swim, that's really hard to catch up on a bike. So I tried to take extra during the start of the bike, but it's uh, not that easy. So I, I landed on 115 grams an hour about for the bike. It's, yeah, that's a lot compared to, you know, traditional tradition tells us, you know, sort of 70 grams or so is maybe, maybe 80 to up yeah, to Yeah, that, that was before, that was before Martin. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. Um, and will, will you make any changes for, for when you race, say, in a, in a hotter climate, say Kona, um, or will you plan on that later in the year? Uh, I don't think I will change too much because I don't think I can drink that much more. Mm. And uh, maybe I can't go any higher on grams per hour, that's for sure. So mm. 120, I think that's the limit for now, unless uh, we find some even better methods to do it. So then I would just have to drink some water or and salt on top of it. So, uh, But I never had any real problems with cramps in hotter climate or anything so i guess i have to bump up the numbers a bit but it's not too big of a difference it's yeah. more that it's harder to drink enough when it's cold outside yeah yeah um so just in terms of your general nutrition we had a couple of people questioning uh and i'm sure this relates to some some social media posts you've done um we had a guy espen shelfen he said um what does your sort of regular diet look like he says uh, i know jacob uh, ingebritsen is on an advanced diet consisting of uh, nutella and chocolate milk so how much focus do you have on uh, your day-to-day -day nutrition and is pizza as good as anything else yeah, pizza, it's a, it's a classic. And uh, for me, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite a, like a normal, healthy, not too overly focused, healthy, like salads kind of thing. But for my main health thing, it's uh, calories in, calories out. So try to be like in a weight balance. And it's quite natural for me. So I never had any struggles with uh, with going up or down in weight. So I just eat what I feel like, and that's usually enough. Yeah. And if you're burning around five, 6,000 calories a day, and you're eating five, five to 6,000 calories a day, and you're eating normal quality food, then it's, uh, you don't need to take any extra nutritional things because uh, it's more than enough like B12 and vitamins in what you're eating. Yeah. So I don't have to take any supplements to to back those numbers up because uh, yeah it's, it's quite simple so if I want pizza I do pizza 
I take what I'm served and I'm not vegan, not uh, pescatarian or anything. I just eat what I consider normal. Nick, Nick Mallet asked, is it okay to have pineapple on pizza? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not sure where that one was coming from, but I was wondering if it might be something you'd done on social media. This, uh, this uh, pizza thing on a YouTube video, and I think a lot of people saw that video, and somehow people think I eat breakfast for or pizza for breakfast every day. <laughs> and I, uh, I actually got tagged in an Instagram post today that backed up that uh, pizza is better than most cereals for breakfast because it has a high number of proteins and uh, everything than cereal. So uh, yeah, social media can be weird sometimes, but yeah. I'm I turned out to be this pizza guy. And I'm, I'm in support of pizza, but I usually don't eat it for breakfast. <laughs> nice. Um, most of the guys listening to this podcast will be more long course athletes. And quite a few of them sort of wonder why someone like you, who's had you know, awesome success over 70.3 in Ironman, why you'd stick with doing short course racing. So I guess my question is, um, are you sticking with short course racing? And, and if so, why? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to finish uh, what I started. So, uh, I will hunt that Olympic gold medal down until I got it. <laughs> so, that's that's where my passion started for triathlon to have that uh, Olympic dream. And I know it doesn't change anything. I am um, like best friends with Christian and we talk a lot about it. So, some years ago, we just talked about how it would feel like to win Olympic gold and uh we said like it's going to be such an amazing feeling to have it, but nothing's going to change. Hmm. So I'm really hunting that gold medal, even though I know nothing's going to change when I have it, except that I have it. Hmm. So uh, now that Christian have it, he's the same guy. He's uh, he's Christian still, but hmm. now he's Christian with a gold medal, and I want to be Gustav with a gold medal. <laughs> so were you satisfied with the eighth place at the Olympics? Uh, considering how I was feeling going into the Olympics, I was pretty happy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my overall shape there was not great. The last month, really, I I was okay in training, but Christian was way better in every discipline and in every single session. Yeah. And Kaspa was usually better than me, and I was struggling so hard. And it was so frustrating because I felt like I was doing everything right, but still I was not progressing how I wanted to be. And it's not much you can do. Like when you're doing everything you're thinking is right and you're not getting better. It's not like you can think yourself to a better performance or do anything really. So uh, it was kind of hard being there, knowing that this is the most important race of your life and you're not there where you want to be. So uh, with the eighth place, I was kind of satisfied. It's top 10 at the Olympics, and it was my first Olympics and everything. But uh, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, It was okay. Um, now I believe you're coached by your brother. Um, how does that work? Are you guys all coached by your brother, or is there several coaches over there in Norway looking after the team? So now I have changed the head coach from my brother to a guy called Olaf Alexander, 
but we are still like so tightly knit together as one team. So it's more like the, the finer details in the program. And it was just easier for me now to have Olav as a coach because uh, I'm going to have exactly the same race plan as uh, Christian, except uh, the sub seven race. Mm. So to do everything together, it's just so much easier. So uh, yeah, I'm not coached by him anymore, but it worked out great. He's uh, he's a good coach and uh, he's good to see the athletes. And uh, But he's, he's full now. So if you're asking him, he, he won't say yes if you're listening to this. He already <laughs> has Sanders and he takes up all his time. <laughs> nice. Um, you, you mentioned Christian. You know, we had a question from a listener saying he knows you're really good friends. Does the competition ever make things hard between um, friends in terms of him winning, you know, uh, the Olympics, you winning 70.3? Does, does that ever get difficult? No, not really. So I see. He's, he's doing the same work as me. We're doing, we're doing it together. And uh, to be this many hours together in training and see all the work we're doing, it's not like I'm bitter that he's doing well. I'm more like uh, bitter if someone beats us. So it's more like the Norwegian against the world than me against Christian. Yeah. So uh, he was extremely happy that I won the world championship and he had a technical problem. He said it must be, it would be embarrassing if I didn't take it. So uh, he was uh, <laughs> he was happy that uh, the Norwegians won it, even though he had a he had a problem. And I was so happy that he got the Olympic gold. So yeah. that was crazy. So give it give us a rundown of uh, what twenty twenty two looks like for you in terms of your race plan. So my two biggest races for this year would be the races in St. George for both the full and the half. Mm -hmm. So I'm really eager to defend my 70.3 title and to try out the, the full distance championship. I know it's completely different to race a championship race on a full distance than, than what I did with uh, Sanders. So it's going to be interesting to see how I'm able to perform there. And I'm still on the fence on Kona because it's so close to um, the half uh, Ironman World Championship. So I will see how it goes in St. George to really uh, dial my rest of the season down. Mm. So, um, but I'm hopefully going to be at least one more World Championship title this year. Nice. And, and do you, so do you guys think you can do Ironman and Olympic distance every year and still be successful at the you know Olympic Games or is it just Ironman uh, no. for now? Yeah. I, I don't think so. The, the performance and energy demands is so different that it's, uh, it's going to be too hard. I mean, you could do something end of season or start of season, change mid-season or something, but to perform like... Back and forth, I think that's going to be too challenging for the energy systems to really to redo it. So I'm actually pretty excited to see how I will perform on Olympic distance when I go down again. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. But uh, to combine them every year, I think that's uh, a bit too ambitious. Especially the level now for the, the World Triathlon is so insanely high. And the run splits and the swim, it's, uh, it's so crazy. So I think uh, to think you can do that, that uh, I don't think you can do it now. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned Christian had a, slight, has a slightly different plan doing the sub seven. Do you think he's going to be able to go sub seven? And, and what do you think the sort of splits might be? And are you going to be a pacer for him? Yeah, he will go sub seven. I think uh, that's, I don't think that's the, the challenge for him now. The challenge now is just to, uh, to see how much we can learn from the experience going sub seven in terms of uh, the metabolism and all the research we're putting into it. So sub seven, I don't think that's going to be too bad. Uh, in terms of splits, I, I don't know exactly, but uh, I think the bike will go extremely fast with his pacers. And originally I planned on being a run pacer for him, but then the time schedule changed. And uh, now it's, it's kind of like a bad timing for me. So I had to uh, prepare for it and use a lot of time to be there. So I rather focus on my own things than to be there to support him, even though it's such a cool project that I would love to be there, but I can't have time for everything. Yeah. Um, final question I've got is, is, is your Taiwanese cap starting to get smelly and, and how much more life does it got? I have uh, several of those, so it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not a single one. So uh, the, the original one was actually taken from me at the finish line in Nice. So I don't oh. have like the lucky hat. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, I couldn't wear it on the podium. Oh. Someone from the Ironman organization said, well, I, I don't know what exactly they said. I can't remember, but uh, at least I couldn't wear it on the podium. Oh. And I asked for it back afterwards, and she said she was going to find it, but she never did. And I sent her an email, and yeah, oh. it was gone. Oh, so someone oh. out there have uh, my lucky hat. Oh. But I hope the one who stole it gets the unlucky version of it. So bad <laughs> karma for you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, if people want to follow you, um, what's, what's the main things you do? I see your, your Strava is pretty big for you, but um, what's your main channels people can follow you on? I, I am most active on Strava, I think. Yeah. Uh, obviously, because I train like three times a day, so every session goes on there. Except the swims, because the swims are so boring. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Strava and Instagram. And you can follow my brother on YouTube because that's where my my few YouTube's video comes out. So he is Mikhail Eden on YouTube. Cool. Anything else you've got going on you want to promote or get out there? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I'm just happy being an athlete. It's such a dream to be, to be me. So, uh, and uh, I hope everyone uh, everyone's listening will have their best session ever tomorrow yeah brilliant that's that's my dream awesome thanks for your time gustav that's wicked thank you obviously john did that interview um because i couldn't make that time but uh thoughts well a number of things a what a lovely nice guy yeah, you said that and just got his head screwed on as sounds like the other norwegians do just a regular guy that's Awesome at triathlon, uh, loves what he does, and but just wants to be a pretty normal person. What's his background? Um, well, if you listen, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I haven't listened <laughs> people yet. have just heard what his yeah, background know, but, but, is, so well, we're rehashing what people but just have just tell heard. Me. Uh, he's, he's been in triathlon for quite a while now. Okay, twenty twenty twelve, if not before, that was his first ITU race. So, um, yeah, he's been around a while. So nice a lot of like these guys are not overnight successes. Um, 
But yeah, it was a few things that stagger me is just the amount they can take with Morton in terms of their intake. You know, 215 grams of carbohydrate per hour is... 200, no, 115. 115, sorry. I was going to say. 200, that's, that's, you'd be exploding with that. But even 115, you'd think you'd be exploding with that. So traditionally, you know, athletes have been anywhere from 60, maybe up to 90 and 100 with people with like cast iron stomachs. But for these guys, you know, a num- we've heard from a number of athletes now that are well in excess of 100 grams per hour. And, and, and their results, an advantage. Yeah, their results back it up. Um, so I would encourage you guys to, to check it out, especially as it's available on course at Ironman races. So, yeah. Well, to me, actually, you need to be buying it mm. because, A, massive advantage. Mm. Like, that's almost double the carbs most people are going to have. Mm. And that means you have energy to use in your race so a it's an advantage b you're going to be using it on race day anyway mm. so you know you want your body to get used to it um and then c they sponsor the show yeah. <laughs> so. uh, but we always got to be careful what happens how things apply to pros is different to how it applies to age groups. and that's how you've got to practice it so you just got to go and practice it and it's you might not get 115 grams in but you might go from having 50 grams of carbohydrate up to maybe 75 and see how that impacts your performance. So I actually got a runner onto it, a lady I trained to do a bit of running. She's just like a 60-year-old runner. Um, and she, she's, you know, she does well. She kind of places in her age group in many mm-hmm. races. Um, and I said, oh, you should get onto this Morton. It's, it's amazing stuff. And uh, she said, what does it taste like? I said, oh, it's kind of, it's a jelly. It's really mm. light tasting. And she went away and she said, oh, my God, you know, just – just in her practice in her, in her long runs she said it just felt massive energy good yeah so nice highly recommend so again if you want to get it go to morton.com click on the link to I'm the Iron Man button to get the discounts again you've been backed by the greatest athletes and as you would have heard in just talk about there or Gustav talk about there um, massive advantage for your not just your race but also for your training because if you can have more energy in your training you're pushing your body harder you're getting better results and there's a massive flow on effect that's right Winner of the week. week. I'm scanning through the list. I'm seeing lots of Kiwis here that look like they're building up for Ironman New Zealand. Yeah, lots of, of names I recognise. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to split it in half. Give me 50. Give you 50. Yeah. Give you 50. David Liversidge. Liversidge, that's a good name. Liversidge, yep. Uh, 15, 15 hours and 11 minutes of training. He did 10 activities, 3 hours and 41 minutes in the swim, 11 hours, 29 minutes on the run, on the bike. Maybe David is injured because he didn't do any running last week. So hopefully that's not the case. Fortunately, he's got a bit of a private private profile. So he is in Auckland. Really, he's in Auckland. Cuppity. Looks like he's got two daughters because his profile picture is of two kids. It's kind of hard to tell if they're daughters or not. One of them definitely is. Um, but the other one... Oh, I'm going to say it's a boy. Hats. You're going to say it's a boy? Yep. Okay. Uh, looks like he's been a pretty consistent trainer up there in Auckland. Swim 5K the other morning. Open, open water. Open water at Takapuna Beach. That's a good effort, isn't it? It's solid. And he swam pretty straight. Yeah. One, <laughs> one hour 21, pace of 1 minute 37 per 100 metres. And his longest ride is only 130 0.7 kilometers and his average rides the last few weeks five rides per week zero running you must be injured or you mustn't must be an aqua biker and four swims per week he got a good uh, he got a bit of recognition he got some kudos from his friend hendry uh <laughs> frankenfield nice <laughs> there we go <laughs> just, um, so just david livisage you, you are, are our winger of the week, week.
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to do the high five? We'll quickly do the high One, five. One, two, three, four. High five. five. Okay, so John loves getting on the bike and watching some some triathlon or sport while he's doing his wind trainer sessions. Mm-hmm. We don't call it wind trainer nowadays. What do you call it? Smart trainer. Smart trainer sessions. Trainer. Uh, so he's going to give you five races that he highly recommends you could watch on triathlonlive.tv. So number one, and this is no particular order really, is the Madeira 2004 World Championships race. This is ITU racing or World Triathlon. Why was it so great? Uh, Well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but the men's race, uh, amazing finish. And the females race is an amazing sort of, don't want to spoil it, but they're both really, really good races. Back in those days, I think it's probably like a highlights package um, event. They don't, you don't have to sit there for four hours watching them. I think it was a about a 50 or 60 minute show. So I highly recommend that one. Just so, just with the quality, because you've got your second one back in the 90s, is it pretty bad quality? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, you, yeah. you, you look at it and go, that, <laughs> it was a bit mediocre, but it's still worth a watch. 1994 Wellington, this was the World Championships back when they had one day World Championships. It's the last non-drafting World Champs they had and you've got two completely dominating displays but just kind of cool to see. It's in New Zealand. Uh, it was a it was a windy, blustery old day. But just cool to see some dominating. Were you forces. racing that day? I was. Was that the one was in? No, no. That's where was that? It was in Wellington. Okay. What's the, when was the one in Queenstown? Uh, two thousand and three. I wasn't here for that. That's when I just started the sport. Mm. Like I literally just started, and everyone was training for it, mm. and I didn't know anything about it. I was doing training for Ironman New Zealand and I didn't really get involved with triathlon, anyone in triathlon. I just, but everyone was, everyone was trying to qualify. Mm. Everyone, was try, everyone in New Zealand was trying to qualify. Yeah. 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 Uh, next one's 1993, the Manchester World Championships, also non-drafting. Uh, again, amazing performances, two contrasting races between the males and the females. Next one, 2018 in Bermuda. Um, I won't say anything about that one, just worth watching. Um, but I'm not sure if it's the first race in Bermuda or the second, but some unique racing on both the men's and women's race. And then I had a toss-up between 2005 and 2003 because uh, you got to see Peter Robinson in action in those and Emma Snowstall. Oh, Peter is Robinson. A, is, Emma Snowstall was just fantastic to watch and those are involved in both of those 2003 and 2005. Peter races. Robinson was a, what do you call it? called like a... a like a rubber band, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the most. He would be the most annoying person you'd ever race with. Because he'd just life. surge. Yeah, and if, if you didn't break, you'd just pull back, surge again. Yeah, it, it, it was a strategy, wasn't it? It was just. It wasn't just a little surge. It was like a crazy ass yeah. hard surge. So I think of Christian Blumenfeld at the Olympics. It was kind of like that when he dropped the hammer. He just went, you know, didn't go up a gear. He went up two or three gears. But but but. Robbo would do that in the first K of the race. Yeah. <laughs> do it for the whole 10K. Yeah. yeah. And it would it, either break people or, or. Because he was a really good athlete, wasn't he? He was. He was. It was a short success, relatively short successful career. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, he was a pretty shitty swimmer. So he had to kind of have things aligned for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just yeah, okay. wasn't yeah. around. No, he was around for a little while. No, I mean, he. Did he make the 2000 Olympics? Can't remember. I remember Commonwealth Games. I mean, the other, the blonde Australian guy. Who was that? Car- Carterfield? Maybe either Carterfield or Miles Stewart. Yeah, I Carterfield. think it was Carterfield. This yeah. is back in the like, like 2000s. And they took it out. Yeah. I think Carterfield got the win yeah. off, off the top of my head. A um, couple of other amazing sprint finishes. And if you want to watch some sprint finishes, I, was, I got a bit sidetracked yesterday when I was doing this. If you go, it's like the World Triathlon Series. It was like hashtag... WTS 10 years or something like that. And they had all these highlight reels of um, 
uh, amazing events in the last 10 years. So chuck that into YouTube or and you'll find stuff. But Tung Yong 2009 is worth a watch, as is the best finish ever is was in New Plymouth in 2005. Yeah. Everyone should know that one, surely. Oh, <laughs> if you weren't Kiwis, you probably wouldn't. That's one of those ones when you go on t- YouTube and go greatest triathlon finishes, and it, you know it's had over like a, over a million views. Yeah, and understandably, it's a great yeah. race. Okay, John, you watched the swim set. Went swimming this morning. Uh, Six hundred warm up. We did a hundred freestyle. Hundred where you go twenty five drill, twenty five free, and then a hundred in. And then the main set was three times through, four hundred meters steady. So it's sort of you know, around Ironman pace, maybe just a touch above. And then 450s really fast um, with about 25 seconds rest between each one. We were doing them on the minute. 200 easy, 200 as fast as you can go, like a full-on 200 time trial. And then 200 warm down, and that's exactly 3Ks. There you go. Yeah. How long did they take? Well, I had to make sure I got it done nice and briskly because I had to get back to interview Gustav Eden. So it was uh, 55 minutes or something like that. Do you, do you just do a straight 3K swim? Uh, seldom. Do some distance work, you know, maybe like three one thousands or something like that. But yeah. pretty rare that if I was going to do a three k, I'd go and do it open water. Fair enough. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons: Mark the Unpredictable Wiltshire, Andrew Too Smooth Maud, and Cam the Magic Man Hanson. Was that big thank you to our sponsor, Morton Nutrition? Check it out, Morton.com. Yes. Remember to look for the Ironman link to get your discount. Also, if you want to get show emailed to you, go to www.iamtalk.me. That's also where you become a patron. So if you want to become a patron, support the boys, uh, go through that process. Coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, bbjamesoshow.com and other cool content, age groupers and all that kind of stuff. Iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John Boy, your goss. My goss is I'm away next week going up and doing the Tomariro Crossing, which I'm quite looking forward to. Oh, yeah. How so, does that take? Uh, it depends how quick you do it, really. I mean, well, obviously. obviously <laughs> but I think the, the range is probably five to seven hours, so we'll probably be closer to seven And is five. it the whole family? Yeah, and another family as well. Oh, yep. great. So we'll be out there for a big, long day. We're supposed to be doing a different walk, but that got canned through... Um, various different reasons, none of uh, mine. The local iwi have closed down the Lake Waikere Moana Walk, which is a bit of a shame. So we are going to do that instead and then do hit the wineries pretty hard around uh, Napier. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be good times. Did you see the volcano in Tonga? I did indeed. That was my daughter daughter was saying yesterday, why are we going, because Tongariro goes over an active volcano, why are we going and walking over an active volcano? And she's messaging her friends going, I'm a bit worried that I won't be coming back to school. And her friends are going, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what's happening. Uh, ben, what about you? I don't really have any goss. What's, what's my goss? Um, You've broken your leg by the look of it? No, I've got a small calf pull. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps coming back, mm. you know? It's mm. a little bit frustrating. Uh, another song's came through from the album, so that's mm-hmm. good. The album should be, hopefully, John, work with Muso's hard work. You've got to give us some content here because you go on and on about the music, but then we've got no nothing to listen well, to. Well, it's not far, John. Yeah, but it's not, not far. Got a teaser we can put like a track at the end no, of it. No, not yet. No, because no, not yet. Because I've got a marketing plan. I've got to. Get, but I'm, the song's coming through, and I am happy with them. Okay, you know, I am. Oh, I'm thinking. You know what? These are good rock songs. So uh, that's encouraging. I might be going to an old school reunion next weekend. Oh goodness, dress up. No, no. Well, dress, dress up in your school uniform. Yeah. 
I don't have our school uniform. Our school uniform was crappy. Right. You know, I went to a public school. Yeah. And so we had the grey, grey, grey with a bit of brown. Yeah. <laughs> brown and yellow shit colours. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> but kind of reflective of the school, really. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, I didn't keep my school uniform. I was pretty rough on my gear anyway. Yeah. And we, you would have had, because you went to a good school, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, did yeah, you have like still, a blazer? I still got my blazer. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> tucked away. Busted that out, I think, at the 30th, I think we had. I noticed because yeah. we went to uh, where Joe's dad's funeral a couple weeks ago and I wore my suit mm-hmm. for the second time in yeah. three years. I'm pretty happy with that. And I noticed that Joe has her school blazer, mm-hmm. blazer mm-hmm. you know, because she went to Girls High. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she, I'm definitely batting above my league. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, Humboldt High School, you got a shitty brown jersey and grey, grey, grey. Mm. You did get brown socks with yellow. Not yes. yellow ring around them. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Like just around the toilet bowl. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, school was definitely not the high, high point of my life. Mm. Um, so what were we talking about? Uh, we're just wrapping things up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, yeah, just back into the swing of life, John. Nice. Oh, the album. No, the album, yeah. yeah. I think, so the guy who's doing the engineering... Yeah, I think he's engineered all the songs pretty much now. He said they're going to come through this mm. week. So now we're going to listen to them, go like crazy, and then give feedback. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping kind of in the next six weeks we can put on Spotify and start pushing it. So you, you, don't worry, guys. You're going to hear it. Okay. It'll be your best training music ever. Mm. Here we go. I'm Russ. I'm Edo. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.